Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse number 9. The scripture here says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That's an amazing question, isn't it? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. This morning, I want us to look from this text at three qualities of the godly young man. Three qualities of the godly young man. Now, what I love about Scripture is the Bible says, uh, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And so this morning, if you're not, you might not be a young man. You might be an older man or you might, uh, um, and for you ladies, the Scripture is so applicable to all of us. But specifically, he says here in verse number nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? We're going to start with three qualities of a godly young man. Number one, number one, let me ask you this question. As you think about the younger generation, where with all are they going to cleanse their way? You know, this morning I could stand up and read news story after news story after, you know, article after article of young people that are absolutely destroying their lives. They're getting involved in, and we could list the name of sins in which young people are involved that will forever change their lives. And many of them, they'll, they'll, they'll take their lives at a younger age. They'll, they'll turn, because they have no hope, they'll turn to suicide, they'll turn to drugs, they'll turn to so many ungodly things. The Bible asks this question, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How many of you would say you would agree with me as you uh, look at different things in the news and you, you can think about different instances in which maybe you know somebody in your family or a nephew or a niece that, that made a choice and you say, how are you going to clean that up? It's a big task, isn't it? This word wherewithal, uh, it, it just saying, with what? With what? Have, ladies, have you ever tried to clean something? And you're just not going to be able to get that stain out. And you say, with, I mean, you want me to clean that? With what? Nothing's going to get that out. And we could look at, our gen- at a younger generation. You guys could go to your school and look and say, man, Pastor Nate, this place is a mess. You want me to live? You want us to, you want these kids to live for you? With what? How are we going to change that? So glad God gives us an answer. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. As you and I look at the different sins that a younger generation is involved in and growing more wicked and wicked every day, God says, if they will take heed to my word, it'll clean them. It'll wash them whiter than snow. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 30. One of the problems with a younger generation is they don't realize their sin before God. 
And God says there, there is a generation like this. Uh, um, I'm sorry, yeah, it, it's uh, Proverbs chapter 30. And then look at verse number 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Listen to this generation. Verse 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Let me ask you teenagers, does that sound like your generation? Your generation, what is their attitude toward their mom and dad? Curse their mother, don't bless their father, don't bless their mother, or the way the scripture says it, curse their father, don't bless their mother. There's a generation that they're pure in their own eyes. They think that they have all the answers. That older people, they're just, they're just not really with the times. I mean, I mean, I know some adults that they can't even turn on a computer. Right? An iPhone-a-jiggy-a-thingy. Of course, you adults have figured out, if you just throw I in front of anything nowadays, it's like, you know what you're talking about, like, that I gadget, I tripod thingy, you know, that thing. <laughs> you think you got to figure it out and the kids are like, oh man, no, it's, it's not what it is. There's a generation that they're pure in their own eyes. And yet the scripture says they're not washed from their filthiness. And you know, in here this morning, we know that the scripture says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what I love it, whether you're in the younger generation this morning or the older generation, the scripture says this to all of us. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. If you, 50 years ago, if you were in the younger generation, you were in a generation that was not washed from their filthiness. You were in a, you were in a generation that was... Lift it up. And we could think about the different decades in which we've come through. Many of you come through the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. And in all these different decades, there were different rebellions of culture against the Word of God. And God concludes this, but you are all as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousnesses before God are as filthy rags. Wherewithal shall your generation cleanse its way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Look back with me at Psalm 119 and let's look at this text. Psalm 119 verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. To heed, it means to mind, to regard with care, to take notice of, to attend, or to observe. This week, we spent the week at Kings Island. And I'm now, I'm the ripe old age of 31 years old. And man, I had to quit a little early on Kings Island. <laughs> man, I rode, what did we ride first? We rode the Diamondback twice. And then we went over and we rode the uh, Beast. And then we rode the Vortex. And it, it, the Vortex always does it for me. 
And what was really cool, the Diamondback, Josh had never been on the Diamondback. And so I sat in front of him. I sat in front of Josh because I've been on Diamondback a couple of times and I just wanted to see his face. And if any of you know, man, the Diamondback, when you get cranked up and that first drop, it's, I think it's one, I think it's the biggest drop now of any ride that they've got at Kings Island, other than maybe the straight drop of Power Towers. So we come up over the hill and I'm looking back at Josh and he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking back at him and then we get up over that hill and he's going, and he goes, (laughs) man, it was awesome. And, uh, I won't tell him what happened at the end of the ride. You'll have to ask him later. Um, but man, the Diamondback, it was, it was awesome. We had a great time. Get to the Vortex and, uh, I'm kidding with the guys and I, we start, you know, the, you get cranked up on that one. They let you down. And I turn around and I go, I didn't know this one had loops. You know, and it's got like, you turn over six times, you know, the six loops on that thing. And so I was pretty much, well, I did do the wind seeker after that. And I think the idea of the wind seeker is basically to orbit you into the moon and spin you around and then bring you back down. I mean, that thing was high. Oh, I like the power tower where, or the drop, drop zone where they take you up and then they just let you go. I didn't get to, we didn't get to ride that one, but uh, this time around, but man, it was a blast. But at Kings Island, as you're going through the different rides, the different zones, how many of you, let me ask you this, how many of you have ever been to Kings Island? All right. That's like asking how many of you are in, live in Sydney, right? Um, keep going. How many of you have ever noticed there are signs that say authorized personnel only? All right. Now, I had to explain to Anthony as we were going through the flight of fear that they had not really discovered aliens, okay? He was like, man, I didn't know. And I'm like, eh, no, just, it's just a skit. It's just a video. You liked that, didn't you? <laughs> Told you I'd get you back. Um, do you see signs throughout Kings Island where it says authorized personnel only? Sometimes that sign is there because it's a maintenance closet. And a kid shouldn't go in there. Other times you see a sign like that. And it's because you're going to get killed if you go through there. June 6th of 2008, this is a CNN report, that a teenager Saturday was struck and killed by a roller coaster at the Six Flags over Georgia theme park outside Atlanta, authorities said. The 17-year-old park visitor was killed after scaling... Two fences, one of which was six feet tall, around the Batman roller coaster, park spokesman Gila Sheth said in a statement. The teen who visited the park with a church group from Springfield, South Carolina, was decapitated, she said. It was unclear how fast the outside looping coaster was moving when it struck the teen, but according to the park's website, the ride reaches speeds of 50 miles an hour. We do not know why this person was intent on gaining access to this restricted area, the statement said noting that multiple signs are posted stating danger zone, do not enter, and authorized personnel only. Some witnesses have stated that the individual was trying to retrieve something that he had lost. Others reported that he was trying to touch the ride. This is merely speculation at this point, and we are working with park visitors and local police to learn more. He didn't heed. He didn't heed. Two fences, one of them a six foot. Do not enter, authorized personnel only. You think they were trying to tell him something? This could kill you. Uh, 
Not me. Oh, I'm, I'm not stupid. Oh, really? You see, teenagers, sometimes your parents ask you to do something or tell you to do something because it's a maintenance closet situation. Sometimes there are signs at Kings Island they don't want you to go in there just because you're not supposed to be in there. Are you going to get killed if you go in the maintenance closet? No. But are you supposed to stay out of that area at Kings Island? Yeah. Other times, your parents tell you something. Because if you don't do it, it'll kill you. It'll destroy your life. And so it's so important that you heed your parents' instruction. It doesn't matter if it's a little thing or if it's a big thing. If they're giving you signs, do not enter. Authorized personnel only. You need to heed that. God's Word gives us instruction after instruction after truth after truth about our lives. And, and you look at this generation and say, wherewithal, how are you going to clean that mess up? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You know, there is not a single person in here this morning that your life is so wrecked that God can't begin to clean it up and wipe it up by you heeding his word. You know what kind of hope that gives me for my life? Man, the, the, the sinner that I am and, and, and the rebellion that I have day after day in my heart, God doesn't just strike me dead, that God would in His, in his grace allow me to know His Word, to learn His Word, and, and have chances and chances. And, and, you know, Jonah, we heard about Jonah this week, and we were reminded the Word of the Lord came into him a second time saying, you know, and many of you have had an opportunity where you disobeyed God in an area, and yet the God convicted your heart about that. You saw it in His Word, and the Word of the Lord came to you a second time, and God's giving you another opportunity to surrender your life, another opportunity to raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, another opportunity to follow Him in obedience. Will you heed? Will you heed? A godly young man will heed the Word of God. He'll heed it. Number two, we see the heart of the young man. Not only what he heeds, but look at his heart. Verse 10 says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Have you ever been on a team? Let me ask you, how many of you guys play sports? How many of you guys play sports? How many of you have ever been on a team and you saw somebody playing half-hearted? Doesn't it drive you nuts? Especially when you're, an, you're a competitive person. How many of you would say, yeah, I'm pretty competitive? All right, see, yeah, she got her hand up first. <laughs> Beat you, Kenzie. <laughs> um, man, I remember being on the basketball team, and with all my athletic ability and everything, I still sat the bench. But I remember, you remember boys like this too, don't you? There would be boys that wouldn't make a certain grade, and they had all this athletic ability. But they'd be ineligible because of their grades. They were just kind of eh, half-hearted about, well, if I play, that's cool. And I remember talking to, I can think of the guy's name. I'm not going to tell you, but I can think of the guy's name. Or I remember him being like, well, yeah, coach this. And I just, I don't know if I'm playing this year. And I'm thinking, no, it wasn't him. Him too, though. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, if I could, if I had the dribbling skills that you do, you know, other than letting milk run down in my mouth. Um, you know, if I could, if I could play basketball the way you play, I wouldn't just be like, well, I don't know if I'm playing this year or not. Let me ask you as a Christian this week. You going to read your Bible? 
Well, you know, if I get to it, I, I, I might read my Bible this week. You know, if I get time. Some of you are like, I wouldn't say it that way. I know. Right, let me talk to you adults. How many of you are going to read your Bible this week? Well, if I can get the kids from here and get them to there, and if I can wake, you know, and if I can do this, and if I, man, you guys are busy, aren't you? We have got to make time for the Lord. I mean, I, God tore me up about that this week. Um, I'll give you my testimony now. <laughs> God tore me up about me spending more time with Him this week. And it, we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight, but the, the heart of that young man, wholehearted, wholehearted. And many of you, teen, and many of you coaches and, and, and teachers, you've seen kids that are wholehearted. You've seen kids... Um, I remember running track. I told the, the guys, I, I found out that it's not a good idea in track to run the 300 hurdles and be in the 800 meter because they are back to back. In track, I'd run the 110 hurdles. And it, I remember one of my very first meets, I ran the 110 hurdles. And then a little later on the meet, I ran the 300 hurdles. And then I thought, man, I'm not a big distance guy. I'm not going to get out there and run a mile. And we found out this week, it was awesome. There was a youth speaker this week that asked somebody, he asked for somebody that runs marathons. And this guy raised his hand. Ty, you'll like this. Where are you at, Ty? Is he in the nursery? All right. He asked this person, have you ever won? He asked him, how many miles is that? And it was like, was it 26, some, 26 miles? And I'm going, <laughs> never driven 26 miles, you know, let alone run 26 miles. 26 miles. And he said, have you ever won? And the guy <laughs> Such a long-distance runner uh, answer. Uh, no, but I, I, beat, I, I hit my goal. He goes, so you didn't win? It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> he goes, no. <laughs> and just left it at that. I thought, that's great, man. Did you win? No. But I beat my time. You know, you can tell somebody's in a long-distance sport when it's like, I, I, beat my, I made my best time, not I won the race. How about you win the race and come back and talk to me about running 26 miles, all right? But many of you coaches, teachers, you've seen people that have, have given something with their whole heart. And I tried to run that 300 hurdle. Right after that, I thought, I'm not running the mile, but I'll do the 800. That's only two laps around the track. Two. That's like one itty-bitty one plus another itty-bitty one. Just, I'll do two, be done. This will be great. You know, I've got, I'm six foot three, about five and a half feet of me as legs. I've got a great stride. You know, I'll, I'll get this, man. We're, this going to be awesome. So we start out, boom, 800, all right? Gun goes off. I get around that first lap. I'm just, I'm just staying up with the pack. You know, I'm just trying to stay with the leaders. This is one of my first meets I've ever been in. I, I don't know how it's going to go. I just know just stay up with the people, just stay with the pack, and then sprint in at the end. Well, we, we do that first 100, that second 100, that third 100. I'm staying up with the pack, pack pretty good. Come around that, that, fourth, that fourth corner, that 400, and we get... I, I get to that 500, and you, you get that straightaway on the back side. And all of a sudden, it just... I go from being... Who's the black guy that's really fast in track? The uh, Yeah, Hussein Bolt. I go from being that in the 800. Not even close to that, but... I go from that to nothing. And how many of you have ever been at a track meet? And how many of you have ever seen the person that's like... They're not only last... They're like, you're just hoping they finish before we all go home. <laughs> have you guys have seen that, all right? <laughs> Sue's back there going, yeah, that was my kids. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, we, we get to that back 500, and all of a sudden, not only am I not staying up with the pack, 
But the kid that we hope makes it to the finish line before we all go home, I see him coming. I'm going, oh, man. Needless to say, I didn't finish that race very high. And I, I don't think I ran. I, I stopped with the 800 after the 300. It just wasn't going to work. But I tried with my whole heart. And you, we, we all know situations in which we, have, we, we say we've got all these phrases in our culture. Man, give it everything you've got. Uh, you know, put, put your whole heart into it. And, and the scripture here says, with my whole heart have I sought thee. You know, every day there's something we go after with our whole heart. And what I was convicted about many times, this, what I was convicted about this week is that many times it's, I'm going wholeheartedly after stuff that I want to do. St- stuff that I want that makes me happy. S- just stuff. But when it comes to the Word of God and spending time with the Lord and heeding His Word, am I doing that with my whole heart? In Deuteronomy 6, 5, the Scripture says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy might. And then Jesus reiterates that command and adds to it in Mark 12. He says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. You know, the, the, you say, well, I, I'm, an, I'm a new Christian. What should I do now? What, what, what do you want me to do? Love God with your whole heart. It's the first commandment. You say, man, I've been, I've been saved for about 25,000 years, you know. What should, what should I do? Love God with your whole heart. You say, man, I'm a teenager, you know, and, and we're having a great time in the summer, but you know, how, can I, how can I be a better Christian? Love God with your whole heart. That's an amazing command. None of us attained, right? We sit there and we hear that and we go, oh. But God wants you to love Him with your whole heart. Isn't that amazing? We have a loving God that's full of grace and He commands us to love Him with our whole heart. So not only the heat of the young man, the heart of the young man is seeking God, seeking the Word of God. He says toward the end of that verse there, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Not wander from thy commandments. You know, for many of you teenagers in here, it's not a danger that you would just up and one day say, this Christianity thing, this whole Grace Baptist Church, I'm done. That's probably not going to be the temptation that you face. The temptation that you would face would just, just, kind, of, uh, just kind of wander. Just, just not really be real solid where you need to be in the Word of God. He says, oh God, don't, don't let me wander. Don't, don't let me go down the wrong path. Don't let me even take a foot, uh, one step off of the path, God, that you want me to, because I don't I want to end up over there. It's amazing when you get into distances. We went to the planetarium. Who's been to the planetarium at the Creation Museum? It's amazing. Our solar system, I learned this this week, would would fit inside of a cube that is six, I think it was six billion light years across on every side. That's big. And any of you guys that are into, you know, engineering and mechanics and uh Throw out some other big word like trigonometry or some other stuff. When, when you're measuring things, we know that uh, if I were to take an angle and be a degree off in here, at this distance, there's not much space here. But if I go a thousand miles that way and a thousand miles that way at that itty bitty little angle, what's the distance down there going to be like? Massive. And you know, many times. Christians, young people can take ah oh, just just a little deviation from the word of God. It doesn't look like that doesn't really look all that big right here. But when you continue on that angle, you end up way off from the word of God where God instructed us to be. 
So don't wander from the commandments. So we see his heed. We see his heart. And then third of all, we see the hiding of the young man. Verse number 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. This was uh, fascinating to me. How many of you have children? Raise your hand. How many of you have children that have ever had or tried to hide something from you? <laughs> I should see all those hands back up, all right? <laughs> yeah. Chloe's six months, so she's not, you know, walking around, you know, being too devious yet. But uh, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see the times when she tries to hide things. I, I can't help but forget the time, uh, Pastor, you guys have heard Pastor tell the story when Jacob was hiding behind the curtain. How old was he? He's about three years old, Jacob, pastor's son, thought he, he went and hid behind the curtain in their living room and thought that nobody could see him. Only problem was the curtain didn't go down to cover his feet. And so, they're, you know, they're playing, they're, they're playing along. So, oh, where's Jacob? You know, and they know right where he is. Kids are amazing. They try and hide stuff, don't they? And, you know, many times we give credit to people. We think it's very easy that or we assume that people would try and hide bad things. You know what the word of God says here? You can hide something in a good way. Not that you're trying to hide something from your parents or, or uh, teenagers or that you're trying to hide something from somebody. Or you're trying to hide something from God. Here he says, thy word have I hid in mine heart. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. How do you get the word of God into your heart? Scripture memory. Scripture memory. And all of you that are involved in discipleship, let me ask you this. How many of you over the last year, you have, uh, I won't ask you to raise your hands on this, but think about it. In discipleship, our one-on-one discipleship ministry, if you're not familiar with that, we have a, a ministry here where a believer that is grounded in the Word of God will one-on-one uh, on a weekly um, basis sit down with somebody else and take them through the Word of God. And there's scripture memory involved. And you think, well, man, isn't that for little kids? Psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It's important for all of us. And so um, it's so important to be hiding the Word of God in your heart. Let me challenge you, if you're not, we have um, things that, it's not just geared for teens, but it's helpful for our teens. But we have scripture memory books that we go through. I've got a red one right now. It's got a red cover I'm thinking of that has verses on soul winning, leading someone else to Christ, and different questions and different subjects that may come up uh, when you're trying to witness to somebody. And so if you're not involved in one-on-one discipleship, that's a huge part of your Christian life that's probably not where it should be. Because how many of you would say memorizing things takes accountability? Absolutely. I was in a play in a musical um, in college, and I had to be King Ahasuerus. And I had never been in a musical in my life. And I thought, man, we got lines we got to memorize. I was getting kind of nervous after I got uh, one of the roles that I did. But you know what? You sit down, you put it on three by five cards, you start going through that. And now we can all memorize things. And um, how many of you ladies have ever memorized a recipe? Oh, yeah, come on, get your hands up. That's why our carry-ins are so... No. <laughs> the hiding of the young man. Look at this. The hiding of God's word in our heart strengthens us to help us defend against Satan's attacks. Um, he says here, Thy word have I hid in mine heart. For this, the purpose here, he says, that I might not sin against thee. You know, there will be times... When nobody knows what's about to happen, nobody knows the temptation, but you and God and the spirit of God brings a verse to your memory and you think, oh yeah, man. And it helps you to make the right decision. And so many of you, you've experienced that where you've been in a situation and the word of God, boom, the Holy Spirit's helping you 
remember, oh, yeah, this is what God wants me to do. This is what God doesn't want me to do. Or this is what I need to say right there. This right here is the answer. This is the the scripture memory for that. Because it it helps us to not sin against God. And, you know, if if this godly young man, if he had kind of a half a heart to serve God, would he have gotten to this point where he was hiding God's word in his heart? No. But because he saw his need to heed the word of God and he had a love and a heart, a whole heart that was seeking after God, he said, if I love God, I don't want to sin against him. And to accomplish that, I have got to memorize the word of God. I've got to commit this to memory. And, you know, um, young people and old people alike, so many of us, we can memorize. Uh, uh, it's amazing talking to Anthony Berman. He has a love for sports. And if I, I don't even have to turn on ESPN. If I want to know who's been traded to what team, I just talk to him. And uh, there were like three guys in a row, three professional football players in a row. I'm like, well, yeah, at least the Saints have this guy. And he goes, well, actually, he's, there, he's over at this team now. And I go, oh, them? Oh, well, at least they've got this. And he goes, well, actually, this guy got traded. Three in a row, I, I just totally botched. And so I'm going to pay him about $100. He doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to give him about $100 to make my fantasy football team next spring or next fall just dynamite. That's worth a hundred bucks, isn't it? Now, if I lose, you owe me a hundred bucks. Okay. <laughs> Thy word have I hid in my heart, and that that I might not sin against thee. Let me give this to you. Uh, look quickly with me at Ephesians chapter six. Uh, this was something I thought about this week. Ephesians chapter six. We're in a spiritual battle. The psalmist says he hides God's word in his heart that he might not sin against God. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Lord has showed us that uh, the way our family relationship ought to be. Children, obey your parents for this is, uh, in the Lord, for this is right. And then talks about how the, uh, the husbands and the wives should treat each other here in this book as well. But look at verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we know we're in a spiritual battle. Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We don't have physical weapons that we use in this spiritual battle. We have, it's a spiritual armor. And, and look at this, verse number uh, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. All right, so do I go out and physically take a physical piece of armor and, and begin to armor up on our bodies as we go out into the world this week? No, but look at this. Verse number 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. How do you put on that spiritual piece of armor? John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is what? Truth. You know how you gird up the loins of your mind and and how you gird, you you put on uh, this girt about your loins with truth? Know the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word of truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness... The breastplate of righteousness. Psalm 119, 172 says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Verse 15 says, In your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, I think about the Romans road. This, this summer we're going through teaching our, our students, our, our teenagers, how to win someone to Christ one-on-one. Sit down with them and share with them the word of God. 
were trying to get their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel so they can take and show someone else how to be saved. How do they do, we do that? With the Word of God. Look at uh, verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. The Bible says in Romans, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how do you take the shield of faith? You have to know the Word of God. And then he goes on in verse number uh and he says, with that shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench some of the fiery darts of the wicked. It was amazing. Do we need any other spiritual armor than this, than the word of God? This will quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. Um, man, the word of God is so powerful. Then verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, the spiritual armor does include you being saved. You can't have the breastplate of righteousness if you're not saved. We have the righteousness of Christ. Um, but I thought this morning this was an interesting way to look at this passage with these scriptures tied in. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. You know, Jesus says in John, uh, John 10, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. When you know the word of God, you can have that helmet of salvation on where you, you're saved. Not only are you saved, but you know you're saved. And, you, and when you sin, you say, oh, man, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. You have that helmet of salvation because you know what the word of God says about your salvation. Then the sword of the spirit, which is, and he says it directly here, which is the word of God. And we know Hebrews four twelve, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Let me ask you this morning. Are you heeding the word of God? Are you heeding the word of God? God has, he's putting up fences and signs and many times Christians, they'll hop fences to go touch a ride or to go retrieve something they lost. Would it have been nice for that kid to have gotten his hat back or his cell phone back? Yeah, but was it worth that? God says, that godly young man, he takes heed according to my word. Are you heeding the word of God? How's your heart this morning? Your, your, your walk with the Lord, is it, well, if I get to it this week... Or is it the most important thing that's going to happen in your life this week? And then are you hiding God's word in your heart? Are you just trying to get a little bit here off the radio, a little bit there, uh, listen to this part? Or are you, are, and, and man, it's a challenge to me right now. Am I systematically trying to memorize the word of God? Um, I just found out an area that I, I need to make a change in. And uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for giving us.